back to Tay Learning. My name is Olivia. And my name is Danny, and we are your very, very happy co-hosts. And Olivia over here is suddenly like not as sick as she was right after the concert. Probably you because know. you got blessed by Taylor Swift. Like yeah. her presence just brought you back to life, you know? Yeah. Mm, but for those who missed me on Wednesday, we're, we're much better now. Still, still a little sickly, but I'm not dead anymore. So that's good. <laughs> and the people did miss you. The people did miss you. It felt very weird doing an episode without you because there's no banter. There's no conversation. I just felt like I was giving a presentation in a college class. It was very daunting. Yeah, I, I don't know if I could hold down an entire episode by myself. <laughs> you absolutely could. And for those of you who missed Wednesday's episode, it was a mini episode. Our newest mini series, Extra Credit, are just going to be little episodes for when one of us isn't feeling well or can't do the episode and just content that's important but can be on its own and quick mm -hmm. so that's the extra credit series but we're not here to talk about the extra credit series today we are here to talk about the eras tour because we went yes we did i still can't believe we had the chance to see her live finally if you guys haven't been following me and Danny on our like Taylor Swift journey through making this podcast. We have shared in the past that we have never seen her live before. So this was just an unreal experience. I still can't believe it actually happened. I am not convinced that it was actually her. Like I know that it was, but <laughs> I'm really glad we're going again because if we weren't going again, first of all, I would have just insane post-concert depression mm -hmm. and additionally I still need the evidence that she is a real human despite I'm pretty sure I saw her that was her right that was her yeah, yeah. what if it was a hologram technology has come very far <laughs> and I mean like the whole weekend felt like a fever dream honestly so who knows if it was even real so this episode is going to be split up essentially into two parts like we promised it would be. And the first part will no doubt be pretty quick. And then we'll get into the second part because the first part is going to be spoiler-free content. So touching on some general stuff, we'll go over what that is in a minute. And the second half is the spoiler content. So when we're talking about the songs, the outfits, all the stuff that maybe you want to wait to see with your own eyes. So if you are cool with it, our spoiler-free information will be recapping some tips from our extra credit episode, Olivia running through some tips that she didn't get to add because she was under the weather, talking about set length, our general feelings about the entire show, and some general information regarding meet and greets. And then we get right into the spoiler, the songs, the outfits, the set design. So I'll put timestamps in the description of the episode so you know where to skip to if you want to skip to the spoiler section or if you want to stop at the spoiler section. <laughs> right, so spoiler-free section. I'm going to do a very, very quick tip recap. If you missed Wednesday's episode, I expand on all of these in Wednesday's episode. So if you want to hear me expand on them, Go listen to that. It's only like 16 minutes long. But big ones, hydrate. Hydrate or dehydrate here. I'm serious. Start hydrating. Mm. Like, honestly, days leading up to it begin hydrating. Yeah. I think the day before is, like, honestly, the most important day to get fully hydrated. I would agree. And hydrating, it's so ridiculous how much it helps everything. Like, mm. I'm an event planner. This isn't a secret on this podcast. When I hydrate, my feet hurt less. And when I'm yeah. wearing my heels on site, which we'll get into shoes in a minute, but when you hydrate, everything feels better. In the 
conversation surrounding shoes and clothes. Listen, it's kind of like the Met Gala for Swifties, but if you just wear jeans and a t-shirt, you're going to look great. If you wear a ball gown, you're going to look great. Whatever you do, make sure that your outfit is two things. Number one, comfortable for you. And number two, that it doesn't impede on other people's concert experience around you. Like don't wear anything that has four feet arms out each side uh, (laughs) or maybe just remove the arms before you go into the stadium. But shoes are a big one because your feetsies are probably going to hurt no matter what. It's a long show. Yes. I don't know how she does it, Taylor. (laughs) I'm very, very jealous. If you're going to wear heels, bring a backup pair of shoes. And I, I feel like, at least based off of my experience, this is what I'm preparing for my next shows. I am planning on bringing the absolute biggest bag I possibly can. If your stadium allows that 12 by 12 by 6 bag, buy it. It's not aesthetically cute. It doesn't matter. Buy the big bag. I, f- I feel you Tampa Swifties because I saw how small that your bag has to be. And I'm so sorry. But for those of you who are lucky enough to have that big 12 by 12 by 6, get that bag and bring like tennis shoes. I'm talking like memory foam, arch support, the ugliest, comfiest tennis shoes to switch into because that is what I wish I had. I did have a change of shoes. I had heels on and I had a change of shoes into like some flat sandals and those hurt my feet because they were just flat and offered no support. And once you're already in the show, it's so dark. No one's going to see what's on your feet anyway. So if you switch it out for the ugliest shoes that are so comfortable, Mm -hmm. no one's going to yeah, and if you're wearing, like, cowboy boots and you don't really want to bring a change of shoes, get, like, compression socks. Like, nurses wear them all the time for being on their feet for several hours during their shifts. Get compression socks because that will help your feet not to hurt as much by the end of the night. Also, the more comfortable you are, the quicker you can get the hell out of Dodge because that's another really big tip is have a plan for getting home. Just a reminder, Ubers, if they are available, which they were sparse in Glendale, they were ridiculously expensive. I heard stories of people paying upwards of $500 for an Uber to go 10 miles. And girls were stranded until the next morning because they couldn't get Ubers. So I wouldn't rely on Ubers. Have a plan. Schedule a car service, like a professional car service, not an Uber. Don't just schedule an Uber. They'll back out on you. (laughs) Or they might. Another option is having a friend come pick you up that's reliable, walking a few blocks and ordering an Uber from there driving if you can and parking toward the exit so that you can get out of there quicker have a plan for how to get home it is not worth risking being stuck at the stadium at night absolutely not all the other tips they were miscellaneous important but miscellaneous that episode is super quick so go listen to that extra credit if you want some general tips and you can always ask us and our contact info as always will come at the end of the episode yay So talking about the general set length, we said that this show was long and we mean it. The show is about five hours between opening acts, breaks, and Taylor. Gail was on for, I think, about 20 minutes. And Paramore was on for like 40, 45. Yeah, something like that. And remind me how long Taylor was on? Three hours and 15 minutes. No intermission. (laughs) Three hours and 15 minutes. That is the length of Titanic if you watch the credits. <laughs> Just for perspective. I watched Titanic last night. <laughs> it's If you watch Titanic beginning to end with the credits, it is the same length as Taylor's show. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's a testament to how long Titanic is or how long her show is, but they're both long. 
<laughs> which came first <laughs> chicken or the egg <laughs> and there are very brief breaks in between the artists that's important to know because usually artists will have like a 45 minute break in between yeah. to redo the sets We'll talk about the sets later and why that's not necessary, but it's not necessary. So the breaks between the artists were like 15 minutes. You yeah. get a two-minute warning with Taylor. She throws up a countdown, which is good, but it was kind of panic-inducing. Yeah, it was stressful. <laughs> I will say like the 15 minutes break in between is not enough time on its own to go to the bathroom. You have to be kind of smart, gauge like how worth it some of the opener songs are for you. I mean, definitely at least be in the crowd for the opener shows for the majority of their sets. Be polite, like they're performing for you too and they're incredible artists. We talk about them all in our Era's Openers episode. But I honestly skipped the last song of Paramore's set to run to the bathroom and I got in and out of the bathroom in five minutes with zero line. And that was probably one of the best decisions I made that night. <laughs> oh, I guess that's another big tip since she's talking about the bathroom that I forgot about. If you have the opportunity oh, no. to pee, pee. Oh, I don't yeah. need to pee. Don't hold your pee. pee too. Like if you're halfway through Taylor's set and you have to pee, don't hold it. That's how people get UTIs. Don't do that to yourself. Mm -hmm. Go pee. Taylor wouldn't want you to get a UTI. No. Pick an era that you like vibe with the least and go pee. You are no less of a fan mm -hmm. if you've got a waz. Especially too, like if you go during her set, you're going to be able to get in and out of the bathroom really fast. You're not going to miss, like, you're going to miss barely anything. Oh, yeah. So just be quick like Bunny, as my high school band director used to say, <laughs> and <laughs> run to the bathroom, go real quick, and then come back, and it, you'll barely miss anything because nobody's going to the bathroom during that time. True. And before we talk about our general feelings about it, the last note is about meet and greets because we've had this conversation on the podcast before about the opportunity to meet Taylor Swift. And we've speculated that there is a good chance on this tour she wouldn't do a rep room, a loft 89, that she wouldn't do any of those meet and greet spaces. Yeah. And we were right. She's not going to. And my best guess is because we are still in like a COVID era. It's not worth getting her sick with all of this performing that she is doing back yeah. to back three hour and 15 minute shows Andrea is still sick it's not worth it it's the show is worth it like she makes it worth every dollar and we'll talk about it's why it's not worth it to her to get sick or to get her mom sick it's Dang. not personally worth it for her especially too I guess this is another good point to touch is there were a lot of COVID positive tests for people that went to the Glendale shows so do your due diligence. If you are someone who is able to get vaccinated, make sure that your boosters are up to date before you go. Get the flu vaccine too. Like, you know, sicknesses travel like crazy in a crowd of 70,000 people. So if you are physically able to do so, do get vaccinated because it just helps the people around you. Make sure that you take your vitamin C and zinc and any other like immunosupport supplements in the like two weeks prior to the show make sure you're drinking Gatorade after taking your vitamins afterward you don't want to get sick you don't want to get other people sick so don't worry about doing things specifically for trying to get into a meet and greet because those aren't going to exist probably due to illness so you don't need to be trying to get Taylor Nation's attention for that you don't mm -hmm. 
need to be acting a certain way to try to get invited to the meet and greet. Now still be excited, enjoy yourself, go all yeah. out. But this isn't a situation where you would need to play up anything for the chance of getting picked, which you really shouldn't do anyway. Like it should be authentic enthusiasm. But in case you thought about being inauthentically enthusiastic, don't. Yeah. And too, like some other things to keep in mind, like there are still reasons to be enthusiastic the whole time besides just the show. Like there are camera crews at at least both nights in Glendale that were camera crews. So like you don't know when you're going to be filmed or photographed. Um, Taylor Nation is still reposting like Instagram posts, TikToks and stuff. And Taylor still could see them and interact with you on social media. So like just because you're not getting picked to meet her doesn't make it any less special if Taylor Nation were to notice you. I completely agree. So the last spoiler-free section is going to be just about our general feelings about it. You know, I had a hard time creating my expectations for the show. And even though I tried to like keep them as low as possible, they were extremely high. I didn't know exactly what to expect, but I expected something amazing. And she went above and beyond in ways that I never would have thought it was possible for her to do. I didn't think it would be possible for her to like play for as long as she did, incorporate as many songs as she did, make the song choices that she made and the way that she delivered some of these songs, like no spoiler really. Like there were certain songs where she was just her on this massive stage and playing to a stadium of 70,000 people. And she made it feel so intimate somehow. And I don't know how she's able to do that. I was so impressed by this show in so many ways. And overall, I am just filled to the brim with joy about it. And I cannot wait to see it again. And I'm so excited for everybody who does get to experience this because it was so phenomenal. Like, I am still just beaming. And I think that's really obvious. There are definitely moments where I was like, oh, I wish we'd had this. Oh, I wish we'd had that. It would have been cool to see this. She couldn't have made everybody happy. So I understand that, you know, those feelings that I'm having aren't unique and they're not malicious and they're not something that she could have actually fed into and satiated what I wanted without also letting other people down. So we'll, we'll get into in the yeah. spoiler section places where I was like oh I wish I could have seen this but overall I think that it was so well done and I am yeah. just so pleased with the amount of work she's put in and what we get to see yeah I feel like she did a really good job of balancing different music tastes throughout her discography she like catered to a lot of different preferences and I feel like she had to have been on social media lurking to see what we wanted to see yeah there's no way again without spoiling she does touch on her lurking her tay lurking she does tay lurking (laughs) so that's pretty much it for the spoiler free section like we said not very long and very Um, big (laughs) and we are going to take a quick break to talk about spotify for podcasters formerly anchor who does sponsor this podcast Okay, so now we have entered our spoiler section talking about the Eras Tour. So this is your warning. Stop now if you do not want to have anything spoiled. 
Stop now. Stop. Stop everything now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so you have heard us mention several times on this podcast that I have a roommate and that that roommate's name is Rebecca and that she's very good at commentary. And I've had people ask me, is she real or is she just a figment that you use because you can put things off on Rebecca? And while that would be very clever, she is real and she is that clever and she is funny and she's joining us today. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, I am real. <laughs> be this real. Is real. This is me. <laughs> <laughs> so Rebecca joined us for the tour in Glendale last weekend, and we kind of realized that both of us emotionally blacked out quite a bit. Yes. <laughs> It'd be nice to have another opinion about how things went down at the show. And it's a trio for the first time. Well, not the first time. I guess we've had other people on, but a trio with Rebecca for the first time. So we are going to jump into the spoiler section, which is going to be a bit chaotic, but we kind of have a general outline. So the biggest thing to spoil at the gate is going to be talking about her songs. Usually I'd put in song clips. I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm not doing that this episode because hopefully you know what songs we're talking about. Unlike some of the people at the stadium who were shazamming (laughs) during her sets. Yeah, yeah. There, there were a lot of uh, locals, as the deep fandom likes to call them. <laughs> Blew my mind. But to that point, if you happen to be listening to a Taylor Swift podcast and you don't know the songs that I'm mentioning, go listen to them. Because with a couple of exceptions that we'll get into, you're going to hear them on the Eras Tour. Probably a good thing to know the words. So we're just kind of going to round Robin and go around and talk about our standout songs or moments. And we're going to talk about each era we're gonna move quickly because we have so much to cover 10 eras three people but we're gonna do it so i would start with debut but big spoiler number one where the fuck was debut (laughs) it was on night one of glendale as the second surprise song she played tim mcgraw and everybody thought it was a part of the permanent set list until night two she played state of grace in its place r.i.p I want to be mad that debut was cut, but I'm infinitely glad we got State of Grace. (laughs) It was so beautiful. It was, I cried. In fact, there's TikTok evidence of me crying. So skipping over debut entirely, we're going to start the same way that Taylor started. And she started with the lover era, which made it. She did! (laughs) Olivia freaking giddy! (laughs) So Olivia, what was your like biggest standout from the lover era moment? Probably a tie between the opener song and the actual namesake when she played Lover. Lover is one of my favorite songs off of Lover. I don't think it gets the love it deserves despite it having been a single. And she just like stood on the stage with her guitar with the Lover house behind her. And it was everything I could have ever wanted. But the opener itself, in the moment, I wasn't sure how to feel about it. But in retrospect, I really, really love it. So for those who don't know, she opens with Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, which okay. no one saw coming. Who saw who like who predicted that? Nobody. But I think that Taylor picked this song specifically because the opening line she sang was, it's been a long time coming. It's you and me. That's my whole world. You and me being us and her, her fans and her. That's her whole world. And it's been a long time coming. It's been five years. Also, she Easter egged that, which I noticed the other day in her tour announcement from November 1st. 
the end of that caption saying it's been a long time coming yeah yeah people dig too deep for her easter eggs i say that all the time her easter eggs are obvious right there they're always obvious in retrospect yeah because <laughs> it's been a long time coming is like a phrase and then it's oh yeah that's also a fucking lyric from an untoward album cruel summer was great cruel summer was a little bit more lackluster than i would have wanted it to be but the whole lover experience was awesome for me cruel summer was probably one of the songs that i was anticipating the most um but I think I actually enjoyed maybe Lover and the Man more just because of like the theatrics of like the stage production, like she had her crew involved, like Cruel Summer was pretty much just like her from what I remember it was featuring her and the man had a lot of like interactions with her dancers and like stuff like that. And I always enjoy Taylor really leaning into her theater kid era. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I blacked out a lot of Cruel Summer, honestly. Yeah, and it also it happened so soon, so early on in the set list. I just was not ready to absorb it. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I couldn't even believe I was at a Taylor Swift concert at that point. <laughs> yeah. I would say that literally that opening of when they all come out, all the dancers come out and they have these big fans behind them it's really trippy you hear the and they said speak now and like uh big reputation (laughs) so it's been a long time coming that was so cool I loved that I loved that everybody's wristbands because you do get wristbands at the show lit up in hearts during lover to those who are trying to do the Tabo project it won't really work if you're trying to do yeah. that because of the hearts in the really audience. I don't see anybody doing it either. No, it's just not going to be. There's a really no need to. I mean, she already they already have programmed every light feature you could possibly want into those bracelets, and there's just not really, it's not really a moment or need for it. I guess. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. No, I would agree with you. Also leading into the theater kid thing she did that super dramatic like everyone makes fun on tiktok of you guys are making me feel like i'm the man what i'm trying to say is that you're making me feel like i'm the man and she like kisses her bicep it was so dramatic that's the taylor i live for that's that's that was what i that was one of the things i was looking forward to most in the concert because you know i've never gotten to see that before i've seen the performances but the in-between stuff is what makes it feel so personal and special you know 100% 100% agree. So with the opener, um, I remember like feeling a little underwhelmed in comparison to like rep tour opener, like in the moment. But in retrospect, I really, really appreciate it because I saw someone point out on TikTok, I don't remember who it was, but the rep tour opener was extremely angry and bitter because of what Taylor had just gone through in 2016. And she like hadn't recovered from it emotionally yet. Whereas in contrast, the Eras Tour opener is happy and it feels like a celebration, like she's accepted all parts of her past as being a part of her and that like she's happy and proud of where she is. And so that like, I guess, view of the opener, I think really makes it more impactful too. I like that take. So peaceful. Yes. So Olivia was super happy when we were there because... Taylor goes off and does her costume change and comes back because she has split the show into the eras. There's not a whole lot of interweaving really at all. And the second album is Fearless. I was not okay in the best way possible. I was not okay. (laughs) 
Uh, for those who haven't listened to any past episodes, I imagine there's some of you on here because Era's content is popping off. But Lover is my favorite album and Fearless is like generally my second place because of nostalgia. So those are like my top two, like my heart albums by Taylor. So I was I was crying by the time the Fearless set began. <laughs> There were only three songs that she did from the Fearless era. I want to know what your standout moment was. Oh, Fearless. Hands down. Fearless song. song. <laughs> Hands down. Like, <laughs> that's one of my favorites from the album. It, like, that the the opener to it, the da-na-na-na-na, makes me feel things. Um, the other two songs were Love Story and You Belong With Me, and they were fun. But Fearless, Fearless really did me. Yeah, I knew I was going to cry at the concert. I didn't know I was going to cry that quickly. Um, <laughs> it was the whole set was just so emotional because, you know, those songs have been so special for so many people for so long. And just seeing those lives and seeing how far she's come from when she first wrote those songs and from when they kind of shot her to stardom, like it, it made me so emotional. That whole set was just really impactful. Yeah, I think she has a lot of love for her Fearless album, too. So you can tell on her face when she's performing it. I didn't realize how emotional the song Fearless made me until that guitar lick began at the beginning. I started crying and I was like, why am I crying? And it was like healing some part of my inner child of when Fearless came out. It's November 2008. I'm about to go see Twilight. It's my friend's birthday party and her parents got her the Fearless CD for her birthday. So we're playing the album while getting ready to go to the movies with awful eyeliner and wearing capri pants. And it was great. It brought me back. While she was like going out to sing it, she was spinning around and put up the hand heart. I was living. I loved it. And like to pull it all together, like Paramore being her opener, they played Decode, which also sets the scene of 2008 Twilight, Fearless. Like it was everything preteen me could have wanted. <laughs> so funny. We joke about them playing Decode in our Meet the Openers episode from a few weeks ago. We were like, there's no way. But there's another there's no way moment we'll get into. <laughs> yeah, there I'm not are a few there's no way moments. That's true. <laughs> so once Fearless concluded and she goes and does another costume change, her new costume changes are quick. Yeah, they are. We go into the forgotten child, no longer forgotten, evermore. This was such a cool set. This was my favorite set. Honestly, maybe same Olivia. It, it was so good. I almost yeah. fell over. When she came in with the... <laughs> The guitar lick for Tis the Damn Season, I could not process it. I could not process what was happening. I was and crying during Tis the Damn Season. Really? <laughs> I don't know either. I have no nostalgia for my hometown. There's no one that I want to have high sex school with for my boyfriend <laughs> I didn't have a boyfriend in high school. I listened to that song and I'm like, wow, I simply cannot relate. <laughs> I think she did, or she did a really good job building anticipation between the sets and like hyping up your emotions so that they exploded by the time the mm -hmm. song played like she was playing some like ominous music during the transition while she's changing and these like literal evergreen trees are growing out of the stage and we're all like oh my god it's gonna be evermore and so I think she does a really good job at building up our emotions with visuals <laughs> I realize now like we're talking about this 
set and about this show with so much certainty like this is the set list and we can pretty safely assume with how much the production was built up on this that that's the case but by the time this airs there might have been changes that have been made and that's shocking yeah, to me slight changes it's Who a knows? weird moment to mention that but just to get that out there i'm like God, we're speaking about this set list with so much confidence what if whatever things could change and that's so crazy to me i hope that she doesn't touch ever more though because this was like a perfect set i okay not enough people online are talking about the fact that she cast a spell on stage that was some witchy shit i loved it me too at the beginning of of willow willow was stunning the lanterns and the capes and everything like everyone doubted her ability to perform evermore in folklore on like a stadium tour level i think and she absolutely blew all of those expectations out of the water for those who listen to the spoiler free section this is exactly what i was referring to that when taylor performed evermore folklore these songs that you wouldn't think would perform well in a stadium they aren't those big poppy hits she made those sets feel so intimate in a crowd of 70,000 people and they were just so beautiful and like I love Folklore Evermore but they aren't my favorite Taylor albums but they were my favorite sets. It was insane. Every single song in that Evermore set was a journey. It was beautiful. She started crying during Marjorie because it's about her grandmother so when that soprano and her grandmother's soft soprano comes in I was I was gutted. My sister, Kate, you were next to her, Olivia. She was not doing well, though. She was crying. (laughs) And let's just take a second to talk about Champagne Problems, which during our show, the second night show, had a 90-second applause. Taylor looked so confused. (laughs) It was insane. And people that were, like, close to the stage said it looked like she was a little teary-eyed, too, and everybody just, like, wouldn't stop cheering. I love when those types of collective moments happen at concerts because as soon as the applause would start to die down a little bit and she'd try to get a word in edgewise, the applause would pick back up. And she was, had this look like, what the fuck is going just on? just her having a reaction to us. <laughs> her eyes got so wide and she was pursing her lips like... And like what? looking backstage to like to her crew, like, what do I do? <laughs> and that's when she was like, this is the best crowd ever. Are you guys trying to prove a point? Me too. I just love when those moments happen on a song that wasn't a single on an album that wasn't one of her best-selling albums it's just such a testament to like her power that a song like that has that big of an impact on her fans and becomes such a popular fan favorite you know yeah and I feel like too a lot of us really tried to fulfill that like dream that she had of everyone screaming what a shame she's fucked in the head in a stadium because like she expressed that like that's a moment that she really wants to happen so we all made it happen for her (laughs) it was awesome it was beautiful and she also takes the moment while she's at the piano to address that she does not hate evermore she's like i stalk you guys online and you think i hate evermore why do you think i hate evermore show me your evidence wish the people in my life a happy birthday on social media but she wished folklore a happy birthday i think folklore is just her favorite child so one of my favorite things about taylor is when she shows that she's in on the joke and it's just so fun when she you know it makes you feel like she really engages with her fans for sure yeah she's like i see you guys (laughs) 
<laughs> and I believe it. Like, I believe that she actually is reading those posts and thinking these things, not like an intern runs to her and says, hey, you need to make a joke about Evermore. Like, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. She is on the internet. She likes your TikTok or comments on it. She's watching. Yes, yeah. Sir. I mean, she's been doing that from the beginning since like yeah. her Tumblr era. Like, that has been a fixture of her career. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and the last song she does in the Evermore set, Olivia was melting because she starts to set this table with fine china and olivia screams she's not doing it she's setting the table oh my god and like everyone else is like the stadium's like quiet there's not like a lot of like supporting music during this part if there was i literally don't remember it because i've blacked out like <laughs> and everyone is like standing around confused because we're in like the 100 section with families that are waiting for shake it off they don't know evermore and let alone tolerate it <laughs> i'm screaming crying at this point i'm like literally crouching on the ground i i something else happened to me like i don't know what happened to me you I was entered a like a plane yes. like a different plane of existence because i've said so many times on our like episode where we talk about potential era set list, we built our dream era set list. I was practical with mine. And I remember saying, I would die for tolerate it, but I know she won't play it. We live streamed a couple times on our TikTok page. So like if you want to see us experience the concert, go check us out on TikTok at Taylorning Podcast. But a couple of people were asking me, like, what are some songs that you really want to hear? And I was like, oh, tolerate it, but I know she's not going to play that. Like, I had made peace. I'd made so much peace. I really, really believed that it wouldn't be played. She didn't just play it either. She performed it. Like, so it was... It was at a performance with the table, like, standing on the table, all of the um her interactions with her co-performer dancer um it was amazing yeah it was this like really really long table she set the fancy shit and she sat on one end of this long table and her love interest sat on the other side and she's like singing to him the whole time and she like crawls across the table and like begging for him at one point she stands on the table and like it's so beautiful i I didn't even take pictures or videos because I was just sobbing, but it was, it was amazing. It was so beautifully done. It was so good. I worried about her when she was standing on that table. I'm like, how reinforced is this yeah. table? Is she going to eat shit right now? But it was great. And if we're ready to move on to the next one. Whiplash. I, the whiplash. I was like, especially for me, because I was, I was just literally like water falls out of my eyes and then she goes bah, bah, bah. excuse me <laughs> what it was, was that i can't believe she did ready for it if i'm being honest i did not think she was gonna do ready for it because she opened the rep tour with that it was well it was a single it wasn't one of the major singles from reputation i was very confused but god damn it was so hot it was I so think good she knew it was a beloved opener to the rep tour I think for I'm kind of getting a little ahead of myself for rep in 1989 sets I feel like she kind of made them like and read I guess little mini versions of the tours she knows that we loved it then and we would love it now <laughs> honestly we got more of reputation than I expected ready for it didn't really surprise me delicate didn't surprise me I think we all kind of knew that if there was going to be something from reputation it would probably be delicate 
look for what look what you made me do made sense obviously but i did not expect to hear don't blame me i was i was very happy to hear don't blame me and especially that transition there between don't blame me and look what you made me do that was that was so, one of the best moments so good insane for those of you who haven't seen the tiktoks she does that she does the don't blame me for what you made me do and then the beat drops and she drops it oh so good i can't wait to see like the polished like concert movie of that moment me too as someone who missed the reputation stadium tour and truly deeply regretted it um even though i was a fan i have been a fan for a long time I just had a lot going on in my life. It was so satisfying getting to see repu- like those songs from Reputation on tour. I loved doing the one, two, three, let's go, bitch, for Delicate. She counted us in. And if you don't know when she's doing Delicate, you can make me a drink. One, two, three, let's go, bitch. And we all shouted it. And right in front of us, there was this family with a kid. And the dad like turned around and gave a hater face to Kate. And she's yeah. like, I'm sorry. Taylor herself counted us in. Why yeah, she literally we- counted with her fingers. Like, <laughs> we just screamed, what a shame she's fucked in that head, which are literal lyrics that Taylor Swift wanted us to sing. Like, Taylor is not a child performer anymore. She's a 33-year-old adult who sings adult themes. Mm-hmm. you could <laughs> tell I- there were some people who hadn't kept up since 1989 <laughs> yeah since shake it up and love story and that's all they know yep. <laughs> like imagine if those parents actually listened to reputation scratches down your back so it goes yeah don't blame me love made me crazy in itself implies so much <laughs> mm-hmm. so then we take a step back she goes in for a costume change and she comes out wearing this gorgeous ball gown they were different on each night i'm excited to see how much those ball gowns change up for each show and it's the speak now era oh my god olivia what was your favorite song from the speak now set had to be enchanted hands down Mm, it was like it was the only song performed Mm -hmm. from speak now wait wow (laughs) why my theory is that she's teasing speak now intentionally i still believe that speak now is the next taylor's version and you know maybe i'm the clown by thinking it's not going to be released during tour it's at least going to be released like after tour like even if it's immediately after tour i think it's coming really soon when she finishes her performance like she basically walks out in this massive ball gown and just like really whimsically walks down her catwalk and performs it and then she walks back up her catwalk looks over her shoulder and winks and then leaves the stage so there's something going on and with the tour with the songs specifically that she has performed their streaming numbers have shot up after the tour started and I think that she didn't want a ton of streams on the stolen version right before Taylor's version came out I think it's a good theory. I really do. I don't know why when Wildest Dreams was trending on TikTok, she dropped a Wildest Dreams TV so that she could own it. But then when Enchanted was trending, she didn't do the same. Very confusing. But it was great. It was a beautiful performance. Can't deny that. But then again, it's the one song and she leaves. She leaves the stage. Speak now, Erasure. Although I would have killed for Haunted. I wasn't expecting Haunted anyway. I was surprised, though, she didn't do Long Live at all. That did surprise me. Not even when we were walking out. Yeah, that's what, yeah. 
we'll get into what was planned when we were walking out later. So we whiplash again because she's not doing this in order. I say whiplash. This is actually release order, but it still kind of felt whiplashy, just <laughs> not as strong as Evermore to reputation because we are entering our red era. Rebecca, what was your standout from the red performances? There were only four songs, but they were all, you know, hits. The one I was looking forward to most was All Too Well 10 Minute Version. And the one that stood out the most was All Too Well 10 Minute Version. Like that moment was just indescribable. I think especially like towards the end, right? When she drops the leaves and she drops the leaves during the song. And then towards the end and during like the last like bridge, she does the snow kind of very similar actually to like what she kind of did in the SNL performance of that song but gorgeous it was so well done and that's how she capped off the red era because the first three were singles nothing wrong with singles just you know it's a mini version of the red tour you know (laughs) hey as someone who red is one of my favorite albums if not my favorite album um it made me really happy to see how much people still enjoy the single songs, even though I didn't, I wouldn't have gone in saying like, oh, I need to hear these. Um, it made me really happy that people still love 22 and we are never, yeah. ever getting back together. Like, it was just so joyful to get to see people having so much fun with those songs. It was still. like wholesome. Mm-hmm. I know. I feel like Red and Fearless and Speak Now, those are such nostalgic eras because, I mean, I turned 22 not too long after 22 existed so like that was like the anthem of my 22nd birthday and just such good memories are associated with those songs it was a lot of fun it was it was so good did you have like a standout moment olivia probably just all too well the 10 minute version the whole thing i loved her speech beforehand i don't remember verbatim what she said but it was something like along the lines of when she was writing that album, she was kind of like a lost 22-year-old, not really knowing what to do with her life. She was going through some pretty dark things at the time, and she said that she doesn't like to think about what would have happened had we not embraced the Red Album the way that we did. And I just, like, it makes me so emotional. I like, just I'm got goosey. Like, I, got like goosey. I just love her so much, and I'm glad that she's found comfort in her career. Everyone talks about how turning 30 sucks. We need to talk about this here epidemic of turning like 22, 23, because that is a hard fucking age. And the Red Album so perfectly encapsulates that feeling of being lost and being heartbroken and confused. And even when you think you have it figured out, I got a secret. Nobody that age has shit figured out. No. They might think they do. They don't. Promise. I just think Red has aged so wonderfully. It was so mature for its age. And I think the structure of the album and the integrity of the songs have just held up so well. Speaking of albums holding up really well, we then segue right into Folklore, which she gives more love than any other era on this tour. I think she is so attached to folklore because that was her pandemic album that was her being reclusive and writing what she really actually wanted to write for perhaps the first time in her entire career yeah. and, and she- its success made her realize that she didn't need to like do like cookie cutter style music and like give people what she thought they wanted she can do whatever she wants and anything is possible for her and people eat it up yeah 
which I was, because that era opened with Invisible String, which is my <laughs> favorite on folklore. This isn't a secret. As soon as the guitar came in, I was waterworks. I yep. was literally like sobbing. <laughs> like, <laughs> me with Tolerate, it was you with Invisible String. <laughs> I was doing very not well. I love folklore. I love Invisible String. I was so giddy. I liked her little quirkiness during that song of now I send their babies presents and she like shrugged because she knows that the audience knows that we're talking about Joe Jonas there. We know. <laughs> I was just fucking gutted in like the best way possible. I was a little surprised that she didn't do the folklore love triangle as like a mashup or do them yeah. back to back to back. I will say though, something that I interpreted. So she played August, which you know is about her character Augustine who has that summer with James and fell in love with him but he ultimately left her for Betty you know and she mashes that up with illicit affairs bridge don't call me kid don't call me baby look at this godforsaken mess that you made me you taught me a secret language I can't speak with anyone else and my interpretation was that was the devastated, heartbroken version of August. That's where Augustine was left at the end of her summer. I'm gonna cry again. I, I wish keep... she could unsing that. <laughs> and, so like, crazy. during the illicit affairs, like, set, too, she, like, crumbled on the ground and was, like, dramatically, heartbreakingly singing it. It was such a beautiful performance. Her vocals were so strong on that song, on the illicit affairs, affairs bridge, because I... They don't sound super strong on the album. They're gorgeous, but they're almost, when she's singing it on the album, it's almost like she's broken. Don't call me kid. Don't call me baby. And then the live performance was, don't call me kid. And it was like fresh. Like it just happened. And like, she's like screaming her heartbreak instead. It was so good. God, I want to cry. (sighs) The performance of August was beautiful too. The light up bracelets, the like, like just atmosphere. It just folklore and Evermore sets just felt like pure magic. Like magic was in the air. The last great American dynasty was great. Loved that performance so much. Yeah, I feel like I saw so much. Not that she wasn't emotional during the other sets in this in the concert, but I feel like I saw so much emotion in folklore. I think partially just because she's never performed these songs. So she was just like giving it her all and like the product like the production elements, like in August, like the visuals on the screen really I truly don't know how they did everything was so seamless and beautiful it was like taking you on a journey you know yeah it's almost like I mean her other albums when she created them like her pop ones specifically I'm sure she created the production with the performance in mind whereas the Evermore folklore she acted out the story more because that was the emphasis so it was a lot more theatrical than just like pop flashy sequined bodysuit which I love but mm-hmm. it, it felt like more more like grounded and more intimate yeah I agree I loved I loved the thea- the theatrical elements of um the last great American dynasty having all the kind of dancers and like the period costumes come out and they're just twirling everywhere and then she has the Rebecca Harkness dancer that she interacts with it was just it was just such a fun coy moment I loved it then we move into my favorite album but probably the set that I was the least 
impressed with, which is, I was impressed with the whole show, let's be clear. But the 1989 set overall left me wanting more. Yeah, it was it was just like a little mini 1989 tour. <laughs> yeah, just without some of my favorite stuff about the 1989 tour, like yeah. New Romantics and Clean. Overall, I'm, I, I thought it was great because I do love 1989 so much. She spends a great deal of time in the center of the stage on this like lifting platform that brings her up and brings her down. My problem is I wish that I could think of like a really specific standout moment. And I think the only thing that really stands out to me was during bad blood, which she closes with fire started shooting out of a bunch of things and it got so hot. Like you were standing there and all of a sudden, boom, it's 20 degrees warmer and fire is shooting out of cannons. You know, I always say, like, I could go without seeing Bad Blood live. And then I see her performances, and I'm like, no, that was iconic. (laughs) (laughs) It just took me by surprise that Bad Blood was the song that stood out to me probably the most in that entire set. Funny. I love style, though. I'm a sucker for her style strut. But I I did want Out of the Woods so bad. I'd agree with Olivia. Out of the Woods is one of my favorite of her life performances. So dramatic. (laughs) Yeah, I felt like to me, as someone who like 1989, I love, I love all of the songs on it, but as an album, it's not like my favorite. To me, it kind of felt like the boxes she felt like she had to check off because everyone knows those songs and people were going there to hear Shake It Off. Like that, that, Was those are the songs that the most people know. So she like has to do them, but she didn't do a lot differently with them than she has done at previous tours. I would have liked to hear more like musical like liberties in terms of like, you know, changing up the arrangement or mashing something up. Yeah. Like those are what make it new and exciting and fresh to me. Don't get me wrong, I totally enjoyed it, but yeah, it wasn't I wouldn't rank it anywhere near the top of the sets for me. So after this massive production of 1989, she does strip it back, the lights go down, because it's time for the surprise songs. And historically, it's only been one surprise song, which is why we said earlier, the first night she did Tim McGraw as one of her surprise songs. So people thought that that was going to stay. Wrong, 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 wrong. On the first night, her songs were Mirabal and Tim McGraw. And the night we were there, we got to see This Is Me Trying and State of Grace. And she does the surprise songs, like, slightly different from each other. She does one acoustic with guitar, which was Mirabal and This Is Me Trying. And then she switches over to piano and does a piano version. She did piano Tim McGraw and piano State of Grace. She said apparently at the first night before she started performing that once she does the surprise song, it will not appear again. So sorry out there for everyone who wanted to hear one of those four songs or whatever songs are performed in Vegas this weekend, even though by the time this is out, we will already know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. She's not going to do them again. But honestly, no matter what surprise song you get, it's going to be magical. Like Taylor Swift and a musical instrument as being the only sounds you hear is just beautiful like I didn't think that this is me trying would like feel that special to me as a surprise song I love the song but like it was just such a beautiful performance no matter what song you get you're going to be happy with it and that song will then become special for you even if it wasn't what you wanted it to originally be I saw someone on TikTok as well say that they feel like the surprise song is what you quote unquote need to hear in the moment even if you didn't want to hear it (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> Taylor Swift is God. 
that's, that's what that boils down to basically taylor said on the reputation tour before she started doing dancing with our hands died acoustic which i don't think anyone really saw coming that the most important thing to her was that her songs could be stripped back and read like a poem or sung acoustic and it would be just as good because the most valuable thing in her discography and her music is the lyrics so her songs can always be stripped back like that and sound gorgeous so no matter what song you get even if she whips out me as a surprise song me on piano stripped back would actually be kind of haunting so yeah, it would be beautiful no matter what you get it'll be a Honestly, good gig i hope she does that just to like you know i'm a me apologist so i hope she does that to make people appreciate the lyrics me too but i just hope not in kansas city or nashville <laughs> I think she should start the first part of me on piano and then have Brendan Urie come out of the stage for his chorus and then go boom, full just pop, back, pop production. Back in, like just no, full pop production. No, what if she keeps the script back, but he's full pop production and it's just very confusing vibes. No one would forget it. It becomes special no one would for sure. It. Wait, we forgot one of the most jarring things that she like I've ever seen her do live. After her surprise songs, she gets up from her piano and like looks at the oh audience and then dives like head first into the stage and all of us are like because <gasps> like I didn't see the hole on the stage. Oh, it was what did she land on? I need to see a behind the scenes. She like, this like a hole opens up and she dives like she's diving into water. Yeah, and she ends up at the other end of the stage alarmingly quickly. So yeah. did she like, like land on a mattress that had a rocket on it that just shot Probably, her? right? She went head first, head first, fearless, if you head will. First fearless. There is no point at any point in the show that you can expect what is going to happen next. No. She she surprises you at every turn. <laughs> Even when you're listening to the spoiler section, you will be shocked. <laughs> it will take you by surprise, for sure. So she caps off the night with midnights. A, a nightcap, if you will. Unbelievable. <laughs> she does the same amount of songs for midnights as she did for Folklore, which I think is funny because that's her most recent album. But we thought she was going to open the tour with Lavender Haze. She opens... The Midnight Set with Lavender Haze. Yeah, I feel like she knew that we expected Lavender Haze to be the opener, and she doesn't like us to expect anything correctly. So Lavender Haze didn't really stick out to me a ton. Honestly, The enti- of all the performances during the Midnight's one that stuck out to me, it was Vigilante shit, which probably surprises listeners who know my response to Vigilante shit. I find it overall to be cringy, but I saw this TikTok of a girl who said, Taylor Swift heard y'all call it cringy and said, I'm going to make this the sexiest thing you've ever seen. Because, oh, yeah. dear God, we know why she did it at the end now, so all the kids would be gone. Yes, the families around us had left by that point. Yeah, they the did. They left literally after <laughs> Shake It after, Off. Yeah, yep, they did. She did um, a chair dance routine that was provocative. <laughs> just in her slut era. Yeah, literally all of us were just sitting there with our mouths open the whole time, like gasping. Literally, my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> I, ca- I was like, Taylor, like I was clutching my pearls. <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> Miss girl, like, I don't want Matt watching it when we're in Kansas City because he's going to, like, leave me for a Taylor Swift lookalike. You thought dress was sexy? Just wait for vigilante shit. Yeah, I can't believe, like, her performance of dress wasn't as sexy as vigilante shit. 
He's dressing for revenge and dancing for revenge. So anti-hero was a good performance but the graphics behind it on the screen were very yeah, confusing i chose not to look at it because it gave me the ick <laughs> oh, those gave were me. a lot for me and we're hardcore yeah. fans it gave yeah. me the ick too i was so like, i confused. love that girl but i'm like girly this is cringy you can't you can't do vigilante shit like that like anti-hero had the potential to be her next like shake it off like anti-hero like was her biggest hit off of this album. Antihero is what the non-fans know and love. And she did that. It was very camp. Yeah. Very, it very was busy. very reminiscent of the music video, which like I understand, but non-fans think the music video is weird. <laughs> yeah, it was like her the tailor in the video, not the alternate version of her, the real version like of her. Like the giant one, the bigger than life one. Yeah, like knocking over a city and yelling at the camera. It was so weird. I was yeah. really confused. So me and Olivia were right about her closer. Maybe not her opener. No one guessed that one. We guessed that she was going to close with Karma, and she did, and it was, it was so fabulous. Good. So fun. It was everything I could have like imagined it being. She wore this like sparkly tinsel jacket that i've been eyeing online so like any any girlies that bought a tinsel jacket and wore it or anybody they don't have to be a girly but like (laughs) anyone that bought it and wore it to glendale i bet was just like losing their shit that was pretty much the show as far as just some things that are worth talking about the stage effects insane I've seen a lot of people talking about their experience from different parts of the stadium. And as we've known since we started talking about tour, there are pros and cons to each section. Just so you all know, those hold true for this one. People on the floor loved that they were as close to her as they were and they got these really cool intimate experiences. But they also hated that they couldn't see all of the insane graphics because her stage is huge. And it's not as like practically detailed as like reputation or her shows before there's not a bridge on the stage there's not a giant snake it's all built into this like animatronic set and it's very cool but there are people on the floor who complain that they couldn't see all that stuff and there are people up top who obviously they're further away from her so there's pros and cons to every section just like every tour and that holds true there's also notably not any b stages and she doesn't float around the stadium like she has in the past. I wish that she had floated around. I was a little slightly disappointed by that. Yeah, because when she floats, she, like, becomes more on, like, the 100 levels, like, elevated. But... Yeah, and when she's on the B stage, she's closer to the people in the back. So they get, like, their front row experience for 15, 20 minutes. Again, it was a massive stage and it was awesome. I probably would have preferred having a B stage and the floating around. But it was still very cool yeah honestly i think it was probably just the time restraints of getting you know getting to those b stages always took time in previous tours and and she's being conscientious this time and part of her travel was walking through a barricaded path in the audience yeah as far as her outfits for this tour, we're already going to see iconic outfits pop up, but very interesting that like each night had different elements from what we've seen so far versus having the same outfit each night. They're always playing yeah. off each other. Like the first night, her corset that she came out in was so lover coated. It was the pinks and the purples. And the second night it was like blue and gold. Mm-hmm. Her snake outfit stayed the same. Her, it's just so much trust in that outfit that she's not gonna there has to be like 
her bare leg has to be like a sheer leg or something. Right? Oh, she's got opaque tights on for sure. But it has to be like connected to the whole thing, right? Otherwise, burlesque dancers online were talking about what's most likely because they're burlesque dancers. And I don't know how this works logistically. And graphic content, quick warning burlesque dancers glue their lips together, their southern lips, so that they don't fly out. And so what burlesque dancers online think she did was had them quite literally glued or taped together and then have on two pairs of tights, one completely opaque and then the one for the shine. So even if she leaned back in that outfit, that one leg outfit, and it did slip out, no one would know because no one could see it. Best believe Taylor's taped to all hell. (laughs) (laughs) Taped to all hell. They're like, you got to pee now and you can't pee again for four hours because this this exit's closed. Like we thought we were dehydrated and exhausted by the end. I loved her um, 1989 fit. (laughs) They were so basic 1989, but I loved how much more embellished they were than the original fringe like crop top skirt set like they had a lot more intricate beading going on and I I liked them a lot better than the originals she does hand off a hat at some point we thought when watching it that the hat that she handed off her 22 hat was to whoever was in the front row wrong they apparently picked somebody at random yeah, unsure if it's section H right in front of the stage or throughout the entire stadium, but her team does pick somebody to come past the security and stand at the barricade while Taylor hands off her red hat that also includes a signature on the brim of the hat. So there is that. One person gets chosen after out of 70,000 people. And we don't even know if that's like who looks the most excited. It could have yeah, been decided no beforehand. No. Like, I really don't know. If it's Taylor, I wouldn't be surprised if she found someone on social media that she knows is going to a show. Yeah, honestly. Like, she's famous for handpicking people for certain things. So I suppose before we wrap, just a couple of things to talk about. We talked about songs we're surprised that she did do, but I want to hear songs that we're surprised that she didn't do. You're on your own, kid. Like, I feel like that one especially with the whole concept of the eras tour that song takes you on an emotional adventure through her eras and through her growing up and learning all these different experiences and then making the most of it by the end and she like she had to know we were doing the friendship bracelet exchange and like I almost thought like that could have been a closer too. like can you imagine like the make the friendship bracelets take the moment and taste it is like her closing like big last number but I was I was surprised she didn't do you're on your own kid me too they did play that when we were like leaving mm-hmm. it got the so it goes treatment <laughs> R.I.P. still like okay yeah I guess I'm not super surprised we didn't hear that song we heard so many songs from midnight's relatively that that's not really a song that you could cut down you know a lot of songs she did she would do just the first verse and then um the chorus and then she'd just cut out the second verse and go to like the bridge and stuff I feel like you couldn't really do that with uh, that song I don't know it wouldn't have the same impact and it would have taken up significant time so I think it was just time constraint I was surprised she didn't do me I'm not upset surprised too if she did you need to calm down instead which like to me they're like on the same playing field 
everybody's uh, wristbands during you need to calm down like the whole room became oh, rainbow and she was so like hold fun. up your hands it was so cool imagine being a homophobe at that concert <laughs> embarrassing you know there were yeah. oh i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure people that haven't listened to taylor swift in 10 years yeah since yep. 1989 <laughs> i mean i'm really surprised we didn't hear debut or more from speak now that really surprised me there's like two schools of thought on how to have done this concert. And the first school of thought was what she did, which was to separate it out by era. And the Mm -hmm. second school of thought was to mash up as much as she could mash up to maximize songs that could be heard. And I love the way she did it. And the grass is always greener in a lot of ways. I wish we could have seen more of the crossing eras to mash things up, to get more music. I am not disappointed. I'm not angry. But that would have been really cool to see songs from when she was 18 being mashed up with songs she wrote when she was 28. That would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm a little disappointed. Like, I'm overall very happy. I'm, I'm so, so, so happy. But the thing that I'm probably the most disappointed about is her lack of creative um, mashups. Like the, um, what was it, Enchanted Wildest Dreams mashup from 1989. Like the long live New Year's Day. Yeah. Like those are just so, so, so magical. Already can't wait for next tour to see what she ends up doing because I feel like she just didn't have the time to like come up with enough meaningful things like that (laughs) with what she was doing. Like she was jamming her entire discography into as little time as possible. So I understand why it didn't happen. But it's not that I'm like super surprised, but I did really want to hear tim mcgraw because i wanted her to be like you know i want to kick it back to the song that started it all and i know she did it the first night but like i really kind of expected that to be like a throwback on the arrows tour like no <laughs> it's fine i'll live <laughs> i'll live i'll long live so usually we'd wrap up our episodes with a what did you taylor in this week instead we're going to touch on that we are going to another show each of us has another show in the docket at least one So I want to hear what you're most excited to see live again. Probably the Evermore and Folklore sets again, because for most of them, I was just so surprised to be hearing the songs that I couldn't absorb them. (laughs) So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing those again. And I just love the productions. Yeah, for me, it's like really similar. I want to like experience tolerate it while not sobbing my eyes out I want to actually like be able to take in what's happening I want to take some videos next time so I can rewatch it because I, I I couldn't process anything fast enough and um to be like fully ready for that reputation transition too <laughs> now that we know what's coming I feel very similarly to you, Olivia, that knowing what's coming means that I feel like I can absorb what's actually happening in the moment better and not just be a complete emotional wreck. I want to see the Willow spell again. I want to break down what the hell spell she just cast on us. I want to pay more attention to Cruel Summer next time, too. I want to not be crying during Fearless so I can really hear it and enjoy it and not just be like, why am I crying? It's Fearless. I didn't realize I loved this song. See, but you didn't love it before, but now it's going to make you emotional because every time you hear it, you're going to think about 
being at that concert and how it made you feel. Thank you. <laughs> fearless. Like I liked it before, but now I'm like, it's fearless. Like I'm like <laughs> angrily defending it when Matt was listening to Fearless this morning and he was like, yeah, no song stood out to me. I was like, Damn, bollocks. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Olivia, what are we talking about next week? So next week, we are going to start a little mini song analysis series. We're going to break down the folklore love triangle between Betty James and Augustine. And we're going to kick it off with Betty's point of view in Cardigan. So we're going to do a deep dive song analysis next week. We think it's really fitting since she's performed all three of these songs on the tour. So I'm really looking forward to diving into the love triangle. And we had a request for it. I don't remember who specifically requested yes, it. We I did. think a couple people have actually. So yes, a lot of you guys wanted to see more folklore evermore stuff after our champagne problems breakdown because a lot of the folklore evermore lyricism kind of goes over your head just by listening to it, and it's best understood and experienced really breaking it down and figuring out the meanings of a lot of her phrases and words that she uses. If you have a suggestion for what you want to hear us talk about, you can always send us an email, taylearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a DM, taylearningpodcast on Instagram and on TikTok. And we'll try to get back to you as soon as we can. We get really overwhelmed really easily, apparently. So if you don't hear from us immediately, I, I promise we're working on a response. We love to respond to you guys. We love to talk. We love to hear what you love in our podcast and what you want to see from us what you've loved in the past and everything so we just love hearing from you guys it makes us feel really special i also have a correction we kept saying we were going to nashville on saturday oh, night yeah that's not true we're going on why. sunday that's night yeah we're Don't going on sunday the 7th night three uh so if you're going to night two nashville i'm so sorry we will not be there <laughs> we will not be there <laughs> but like we'll be in nashville yeah not at the stadium well, honestly, you never know because as of about six minutes ago from the time of recording, Ticketmaster released more tickets available for tonight's show in Vegas. And to quote TS Tour Tips, in their effort to persevere and make sure things run in the worst way possible, they decided to release spare tickets the day of the show because it would make too much sense to give notice. So here's your oh notice. My God. Keep your eye on Ticketmaster on the day of yeah. your show because you never know when yep. Ticketmaster is going to try to ruin your life. Literally. <laughs> Or make your day, depending on if you get tickets. <laughs> People need to plan travel, and yeah. you're giving that opportunity to a very limited number of people if you're only releasing tickets day. Yeah. This is why I was preaching. Schedule a trip to your nearest city where Taylor's performing and plan things to do that aren't tailored just in case you don't get tickets. What's the worst <laughs> that can happen? You have a fun little getaway weekend? Yep. We hope you enjoyed our Eras Tour recap. We cannot wait to go see the show again and to talk about it more with y'all and for you all to get to experience the show because it is really that good. But for this week, my name is Danny, And I'm Olivia. And I'm Rebecca. See you next week. Woo! Good. Okay. Can you make that sound? What sound? I don't want to try, but make me call. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, ready when you are.